So let's review. The Mishnah Dav Pezayin continues. One pays all forms of compensation for injuring a Jewish slave. But if he injures his own Jewish slave, he does not compensate him for loss of income because it belongs to him. Similarly, One who injures someone else's non-Jewish slave is liable for all forms of compensation. However, Rebidah holds he is exempt from Baishas because the Pasuk of Baishas states, referring to an Evid Kenani is not considered your brother because, as Rashi explains, Shein Babakal. He cannot marry a Yisraelis. Therefore, Avodim in Lambaishas, there is no liability for humiliating a slave. However, the Chacham maintain, Achavu be mitzvahs. An Evid Kenani is considered your brother because, like you, he is obligated mitzvahs. Therefore, Yeshlavadim Baishas, one is liable for humiliating a slave. The Gemara now discusses other halachas where the Torah refers to Achav. Regarding Adam Zayman, the Pasuk says, Witnesses who testify falsely receive whatever punishment they try to impose on the accused, their brother. Nevertheless, they are also killed if they testify regarding a slave. Can be understood even according to Yehuda who holds that an Evid Kanani is not considered Achiv, because the Torah says, requiring the Zayman punishment in all cases. Regarding Melech, appointing a king, the Pasuk says, You shall appoint one of your brothers as a king. Nevertheless, the Alacha, Eved Pasulamalchas, a slave is not eligible for the monarchy, can be understood even according to the Chacham who hold that an Eved Kenani is considered Achav. Because the Pasuk is read, The king should be from the chosen ones, thereby disqualifying a slave, and similarly, Ger Pasulamalchas, a convert, is disqualified for the same reason. Regarding Eidus, the testimony of witnesses, the Pasuk says, He testified falsely about his brother. Nevertheless, the halacha that Eved Pasul Eidus, a slave, is disqualified as a witness, can be understood even according to the Chacham who hold that an Eved Kanani is considered Achav. And the Gemara brings two possible sources for his being disqualified. If a thief, who is a full-fledged Jew, is disqualified to be a witness, certainly a slave is disqualified. However, we can argue, a thief's actions cause him to become disqualified, and this does not pertain to a slave. Similarly, women and minors are they are permitted to marry in the Israel and yet are disqualified as witnesses, certainly a slave is disqualified. However, we can argue, women are not obligated in bris mila, while a slave is. And a minor is not obligated mitzvah while a slave is. Therefore, the Gemara concludes we can derive a slave's disqualification from both a thief and either a woman or a minor combined. As Rasha explains, They do not keep all the mitzvahs, the woman or minor, because they're not obligated, and the thief, despite being obligated. Just that they are disqualified to be witnesses, so to a slave who is not obligated in all mitzvahs is also disqualified. The second source is from the Pasuk, Now, if the Pasuk had said, This would teach us, Relatives cannot be witnesses. The term, therefore, teaches us, We may not sentence someone based on a witness such as a slave whose son does not trace his lineage through him. 
The Mishnah continues, An encounter involving injury with a deaf mute, insane person, or a minor is always to one's detriment because one is liable for damaging them while they are not liable for damaging others. Similarly, one is liable for damaging a slave or a woman while they are not liable for damaging others. As Rashi explains, they cannot pay because the woman's property is beholden to her husband and the slave does not own anything. However, they must pay later if and when the woman is divorced or the slave is freed when they have money of their own. As Rashi explains, the Eved Ve'isha are responsible for their actions and do become liable at the time, but they have no money of their own. Therefore, they must pay later if and when they acquire money of their own. However, the Cheresh, Shaita, Bekotna are not responsible for their actions and do not become liable at all. Therefore, they cannot become, be compelled by Bezin to pay later even if they have money of their own. However, some places can hold that they have a moral obligation to pay later if they have money of their own. The Mishnah continues, if one wounds their parent, or if he wounds someone on Shabbos, he's exempt from payment because he is liable for the death penalty, and we apply the principle of one does not pay monetary compensation for an action that is also punishable by death. The Mishnah concludes, one is exempt for injuring his own non-Jewish slave. The Gemara now discusses Nixi Milug, property that is owned by a woman, but her husband is entitled to its produce or profit. The Gemara will relate this discussion to our Mishnah on the next half. Amar Shmuel, Ha'isha Shemachar b'Nixi Milug b'Chaye Balo v'Mesa, Ha'pal Meitzim Yad Alakuches. If a woman sold Nixi Milug and subsequently died in her husband's lifetime, the husband can compel the buyer to return the property. The Gemara challenges this from the following Mishnah. If a father writes over his belongings to his son to take effect after his death, as Rashi explains, the property transfers to the son immediately, but the father retains the right to its produce until his death. In this case, Neither one can sell the property completely, because the father still controls them, while they are beholden to the son. However, If the father does sell them, the sale is effective until his death, at which point the son gains full control. If the son sold them, the sale is only effective after the father's death. The Gemara infers, The son's sale is effective after the father's death. And the Gemara brings a machlekis regarding this halacha. Rabbi Yechidin holds, Mesa av b'chaye haben, de'asu liyade deben kana likech. The sale is effective only if the father died first, and so the property transferred to the buyer after the son took possession of them. However, Mesa ben b'chaye av, de'asu liyade deben, kana likech. The sale is not effective if the son died first, and so the buyer would acquire the property before the son ever took possession, because the father's right to the produce is considered the primary ownership, and so the son did not have the ability to unilaterally sell the property. However, Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish maintains, The 
the sale is effective whether the father died first or the son died first. Because the father's right to the produce is not considered the primary ownership, and so the son rightfully sold the property. Now, we know halacha kresh lakish. Halacha is, in this case, follows <coughs> resh lakish, and we rule kinya peres lav kinya guf. If so, <coughs> why does Shmuel say, habal a wife's sale of niximilug is not effective, since her husband only has kinya peres in the property, his rights should not hinder the sale. The Gemara answers, Be'usha hiskinu ha'isha shemacha b'niximilug b'chaye bala u'mesa, a special enactment was instituted in Usha, as Rashi explains, The Chum strengthened the husband's rights to the property and gave him the right to claim them from the buyer, out of concern that the wife's sale of Nechzim would lead to animosity between them.